This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 166, and I'm with Elizabeth Hall, certified life coach and intuitive eating counselor. And we are talking about what it means to have a spiritual practice, even if you don't identify as spiritual, and how we can use spirituality to heal our relationship with food and our bodies. I am definitely not a spiritual person. At least I didn't think so until I recorded this episode. So if you feel the same way as me, then prepare to be enlightened. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this podcast at summerinandin.com forward slash 166. Before we begin, I want to give a shout out to Doris who left this awesome review. Summer delivers a fun, informative and helpful podcast episode every time. She keeps it real, but also fun. Body acceptance is such an important topic that we can all continue to learn about, and she speaks from the heart while injecting her own wisdom and evidence-based information. Her guests are equally amazing for everyone to continue to relate to and learn from. This podcast is for you if you want to go, if you want to let go of the diet mentality, feel free in your body and move forward with a renewed sense of self. Rock on with summer. Thank you so much for that, Doris. That's awesome. I really, really appreciate that thoughtful review. If you haven't already done so, you can leave a review by heading to iTunes, search for ratings and reviews, click to leave a review and leave a review there. You can also help this show out by subscribing to the show and doing that via whatever platform you use, whether that is iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any of the other ones that are out there. And if you haven't already done so, definitely grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. As I said, today's show is all about spirituality, and it's really geared towards people who perhaps don't identify that way or are curious about it. Or if you are spiritual, um, you'll learn about how this can really relate to helping heal your relationship with food and your body. And as I said, Elizabeth is great because she makes it really accessible and practical. And I was like, oh, I already kind of do a lot of these things. Maybe I am spiritual. Wow. What do you know? So anyways, I hope you'll get a lot out of it as I did. So today's guest is Elizabeth Hall. And Elizabeth is a certified professional life coach, an intuitive eating counselor, and a recovered chronic dieter. Through her one-on-one -on -one coaching program, Elizabeth helps women all over the world heal their relationship with food and body and rediscover how they might actually enjoy spending their time and energy once they are no longer counting every calorie. Elizabeth loves studying how our bodies have an innate capacity to heal, and she brings the wisdom of mind, body, and spirit together in practical ways that people can use in their everyday lives. Let's get started with the show. 
Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. Hey, Summer. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today because we haven't really covered some of these topics that we're going to hit on in this podcast before, and I think it, it's going to be really interesting for people to understand uh, the way they, that you go about doing this work. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited too. So why don't you tell everyone just a little bit about how how you got into, like how you discovered intuitive eating, what was your relationship with food like, and how did that lead you into this work? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, so like many people, sort of the classic story, I started dieting when I was about 12. Um, I'd always been sort of a bigger kid and always gotten some attention for it. And so before high school started, I wanted to, you know, do the old slim down. And what it basically started was 30 years of chronic dieting, of which I was 100% unaware that sort of that's what I was doing. You know, you think that that's what you're supposed to do. It's normal. It's how everybody talks about food. So I never knew <laughs> quite how disordered it was. And eventually I got to the point. So I, you know, I did all the diets and I eventually got to the point where I stopped looking up diets and I started looking up why am I so obsessed with food, which was ironic because I never knew that the diet was making me so obsessed. And then I came across all these really interesting books um, things like Overcoming Overeating by Jane Hirschman and Diet Survivor's Handbook, Ellen Frankel and Judith Matz. Uh, and that eventually led me to intuitive eating and health at every size. And like many people, I kind of slowly went into it, but I didn't quite buy it. I didn't quite believe it. And then I was on that precipice where I could have gone either way. I was about to do a precision nutrition training, which would have been highly disordered and or go into intuitive eating and thank god I went into intuitive eating and sort of the rest is history. Yeah, you mentioned like just kind of slowly getting into it and I think it's it's true, you know, especially when you've when you've invested 30 years of your life as as you mentioned in in your particular story, it's like it's a really tough it's a tough decision to make because you've like I well, I've invested all this time into it like I imagine kind of just letting that go is a hard piece of, of the puzzle. Exactly. Yeah, it was kind of like, no way. Like, A, I don't think this is going to work, quote unquote, work, because I was still looking for something to work, um, which just shows where my mind was anyway. And then just, yeah, a whole bunch of fear around what that meant. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really hard to wrap my head around. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people get into it more slowly, because it's like, okay, this sounds really promising and I can kind of dip my toe in, but you know, it's, it's hard to make that a big leap into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But then once I learned more about the diet industry and diet culture, then I was just incensed. I mean, I just, I felt like everyone had to know this information. Like how could I have been blind to this for so long? And so that's sort of what set me off in this direction. Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that you and I have talked about not not while we were recording yet, but it's just how you were doing intuitive eating wrong, and I and I think that a lot of people can probably relate to that. So can you can you elaborate on what your experience was with like with that? What what you felt in hindsight you were doing? Sure. Wrong? Yeah. So so I mean, like I said, I came in full of fear and and I was really afraid of what was going to happen and I didn't realize it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know I didn't realize that I I had really no foundation of 
any kind of self-compassion for myself. I had no other tools in my toolbox as far as food and body went or what I what I have come to learn now, which I didn't realize then, is this was way bigger than food and body. This was also like, who was I and who did I think I was? And it was a personal development journey and it really was an adult development journey. And so I was completely oblivious to any of that when I went into intuitive eating. And so I think it sort of slowed my process a little bit. I feel like that now, looking back. Granted, you know, things happen for a reason and they they happen the way they're supposed to. But I really felt like if I had had a little more awareness around needing some self-compassion and around having some other tools for dealing with my emotions, then maybe I wouldn't have been so hard on myself because... I was full of fear, but I was eating anyway. So it was just a little bit of a vicious cycle because I was trying to do the full permission to eat, but judging it pretty hard because I didn't know any other way to think. And so I kind of wish I'd spent a little bit of time exploring some of the other things before I went straight into full permission to eat. But the irony is, after you've been dieting for 30 years, the most appealing part <laughs> was full permission to eat because it was like, oh, you know, the relief in that and the freedom in that was huge. So I recognize that has to happen. But yeah, I, I wish I'd had a few other tools at the same time as I was kind of going through that process. Yeah. And so what, what, what areas do you feel like you would have wanted more support around? I know you mentioned self-compassion. What else? Yeah. Like I didn't realize that. So here I was somebody who dealt with my emotions through food, um, meaning in dieting, dieting is a way to, to deal with some sense of control in my life and how I feel about myself. So it's really a bit of a coping mechanism for how I, you know, went through my life. And not knowing this, when I took that away, A, I didn't have something else in place. Um, and B, sort of in a in a in a vicious circle, all I knew to deal with my emotions was food. So here I was with full permission to eat, but only going to food as my source of soothing when I was freaked out about what was happening with intuitive eating. So again, it was just sort of like jumping off a cliff. And I didn't, I just didn't see it until, till years later. So yeah, having more self-compassion, having, having a better knowledge, more emotional intelligence is, is what I guess I'm getting at. Um, I really didn't have any. And then also just being aware of what I was telling myself, because our thoughts are so powerful. And instead of saying to myself, wow, my body's a genius. I can trust it. It knows exactly what to do. I was always telling myself, I don't know if this is going to work. This is scary. You know, this is not going to be good because I was so full of fear. And I think that, again, made me way more uncomfortable along the way than I necessarily needed to be. Yeah. And, and it sounds like, you, it, you know, that's like the narrative from diet culture. And so you start to approach intuitive eating with a similar kind of narrative. And it makes it that much harder to really exact trust, you know? 
Exactly. Yeah, I had no other narrative. I didn't know there was another narrative. Yeah, that's why it is so important to do this the other like that, you know, what the work that you do and, and the work that I do, like outside of just the food stuff, because it's so much bigger than that. Right, exactly. And I didn't even know it was bigger. Like I knew all I knew was I was still trying to solve everything through food. I didn't know that there was way more to it than I was seeing. And then I felt like I was kind of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy because the world is saying, you know, you can't just eat what you want. You're going to feel terrible. And here I was doing that and feeling terrible, but for all the wrong reasons. It had nothing to do with my food. It had to do with my thoughts and my emotions and my beliefs at the time. And then my total lack of compassion for myself and the whole process. Right. So what helped you like then discover those things? Like what, what, you know, where in your journey did you start to kind of learn about self-compassion or what else helped you there? Yeah. And that's where this whole concept of what we've been talking about with spirituality kind of came into play. And it was it was not something I was conscious of. It was something I was interested in. So I was simultaneously looking at food stuff and studying different spiritual things um, or sort of an introduction to spirituality, because I didn't really know what that was either, and sort of going down both paths. And it didn't occur to me until even years in that they were connected and that the spirituality was actually helping me with the food stuff. And then I just started to see the bigger picture after doing a fair amount of work in in studying these concepts. So I would say that was a big help and just the whole personal development path. Even courses I took for coaching ended up. So along the way, I decided, well, maybe I'll coach in this topic um, of food because I've had such powerful experiences with it. And so I ended up taking a lot of different trainings around coaching, but a lot of coach trainings have you look at yourself. And that was incredible because that's really what this work is asking us to do is really go within. We're, it's not finding the answers outside of us. And so through the spirituality and through the trainings, I really started to, to understand the bigger picture. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you use the word spirituality, which like, for some people, it can, you know, they can nod their heads and be like, yes. And for other people, it can kind of make them cringe because perhaps they have a weird relationship. They kind of associate it with maybe religion and maybe they didn't have a good relate, like, you know, just whatever their beliefs are, like it just kind of makes them cringe. So I would love to have you sort of describe what it means to be spiritual. Yeah, definitely. And I agree. I mean, the idea of spirituality used to make me cringe as well. And I didn't really understand what that was. And it's definitely not religious. Um, and I was never religious. So I think that's why I tended to cringe often when I heard the word. But as I got more into it, I realized spirituality is about this idea that there is something bigger than us. There's something bigger than just um, what we see as our identity. And then there's also something within us that's really powerful. And some people call it your inner wisdom or your higher self. So, and it takes some time to get used to that idea, but it really resonated with me that I have more wisdom inside me than I'm allowing. Um, and that there is a connection to, to other people and the world um, and this higher power. 
that I can tap into. So, so that was part of it for me, just knowing that there's more out there than we realize. And then it's also about, to me, spirituality is finding, finding something that grounds you in a centered way, something that's calming and relaxing and being authentic. So it's sort of, again, it's that inner journey to, to find answers that make sense to you not to other people. Even though you might look to other people for ideas, it's coming back to yourself to judge what feels good to you or not. And it's also just understanding that we have a lot more choice in life than we realize and that there's a lot more opportunity and possibility in life than we realize. So being a dieter, I looked at the world as black and white. I was also an actuary. That was my job, which is all about numbers and finance. So I was just so used to this right and wrong, good and bad. Um, And spirituality to me is is more of an openness. It's more of a both and than an either or. It's really opening to different possibilities. And it doesn't mean you don't use your logic or your emotion, but you also learn to listen to your intuition. And then spirituality also to me was sort of, you know, it's a study of consciousness, but it's also about energy. So getting to understand where my energy was at in terms of how I view the world, and I'm, I'm not sure if that makes sense or not. I can go into that more if you want. Yeah, I was going to say, what does that mean? Because <laughs> I'm yeah. not quite sure. And so if you, if you think about it simply, like if you think about somebody who walks into a room who's really angry, you feel that, you sense that. You might know when your loved one comes home and they're in a bad mood. So people really give off a certain vibration of energy that you can you can feel. And I knew that in my dieting world, my energy was very restricted. It was very judgmental of myself and other people. It was very shut down. It was very, it was full of doubt. It was full of blame. It, it was all energies and emotions that were really holding me back and really eroding me at the same time. And I think that's why I got to the point where I I just couldn't live that way anymore. Whereas we really do have access to energies that are more life-affirming when we can let go of some of those uh, more, I'll call them negative energies for, for lack of a better word. But so just being more aware of what kind of energy I had and what was I presenting and what was I tapping into became um, part of the work for me. And then, you know, spirituality is also when you start answering these questions, like, why am I here? What's my purpose? And so again, I mentioned I was an actuary. And so I started looking at, well, I've never liked this. Why am I doing this? It's never been terribly fulfilling. I don't find a lot of meaning in it. And again, I didn't realize this at the time, but that began to fall apart all at the same time as I started exploring quitting dieting and exploring all these new paths. So it's kind of funny, but it's not a coincidence that the old things fell away as I picked up these new things. And to me, that's kind of what spirituality is. It's just that openness to new possibilities and allowing new things to come into your life and just being curious about it. Yeah, I think it can, the people that I've worked with that have a a stronger connection to that tend to have an easier time, like really surrendering and letting go and staying in the moment than versus 
like really struggling with that concept of trusting yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm curious to know what the components are of a spiritual practice. Like if people haven't ventured into this space, what, what are some of the components of it that would be helpful for people to understand? Yeah. And it's funny because you actually just mentioned several of them in the, in the last sentence that you said, when you said what made it easier for people to accept um, and move forward, because again, some of the things you said was things like the present moment. And that's huge when you realize that all we have is right now. And that's all we can count on. Like the past is already gone. The future hasn't happened yet. And so do you really want to spend your present moment either in judgment of yourself or judgment of others or, you know, going through this restriction, doing things that don't make you feel good? Or do you want to go out and find things that make you feel good and and make sure you're really enjoying those present moments? So for me, spirituality and for many, if they're defining spirituality, present moment is really a key factor. And it just becomes clear that sometimes we give our attention to things that won't matter five minutes from now. And it just, again, you you can sit there and make the choice once you have some more clarity. And so another uh, factor in in my spiritual practice is is awareness. And I would say that's actually probably the first thing to start with. And it's the first thing I talk about with people. And it's awareness of what's going on in our bodies it's awareness of what's going on in our thoughts, what's going on with our sensations, what's going on with our emotions. And it can it can be a lot if you're going to start with all that. So you definitely want to start small, but it's just starting to notice what's going on. And also considering what am I assuming in any certain situation or how am I interpreting something? How could I be wrong? And then you can choose more empowering thoughts and beliefs once you're aware of them. So you can't make a change if you're not aware of what it is you want to change. So awareness and present moment are huge. The other thing that comes up is is just this idea of meaning, making meaning, uh, finding out what you value. And then also the idea of connection, whether it's connection to a higher power, and you can call that whatever you want, or connection to your inner wisdom, like how much can you hear that? How much are you able to listen to your inner self? And a lot of people find that hard to access. And again, that comes from awareness. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask about the that, that question there, because I think, and by the way, I'm realizing, wow, the way I work with people is really more spiritual than I've ever mm-hmm. really thought, because like, yeah, I've never labeled any of this stuff this way, because this is just like you know, all the ways that I've been trained as a coach, but now I'm seeing how maybe it's a little more spiritual than I give it credit for. So the, 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 yeah, like the intuition or the, or the inner self, this is, this is something that like, I, I hear a lot is just, how do you do that? Cause I think some of us have it much more strong. Like it, it's a lot, it's a stronger reaction. It's, it's more visceral or a stronger sensation, but for a lot of people, uh, they don't, they don't have that. And so like, what are, what's a specific way, or do you have a tool or something that can help someone begin to access that and start to, yeah, just tune into like their intuition? Yeah. And and one of the, one of the things that I did say, I'm a big journaler and I, I know not everybody loves journaling, but I 
And I don't even know if I consider it journaling. I just get up and I write every morning whatever wants to come out of me. But one one thing I tried to do sort of intentionally was write to my inner voice, which was interesting because I would ask questions about things that were bothering me. And, you know, it's not like I heard a voice that gave me an answer, but there was just it's sort of like in a dream, you just get a vision or you get a feeling that gives you an answer. So that was an interesting way that I was able to connect with mind. I would also say, you know, just like anything else you want to learn, immersing yourself in um, other people that talk about this. And, you know, there's different podcasts where people talk about the inner voice, like Just Lively has a podcast and she talks about the inner voice all the time. And she even does coaching sessions where she talks to other people's inner voices but but what these people have really done is they've they've gotten quiet and they've gotten to the point where they can sit for five minutes and listen or go within or ask a question and just be silent and see what comes up. And maybe nothing will come up the first couple of times you do it, but maybe you'll just get a feeling that gives you an answer. And the inner voice is always very simple. It gives very simple feedback, things like it'll you'll ask it a question, it'll tell you to trust or things like that. It's not complicated. Whenever we're making things complicated, we're in our heads too much. Yes, yes. So yeah, so the the inner and the inner voice is also a lot about connecting to the heart more than the head. And would you say like starting with like small questions? So even if it's like, do I want to say yes to the social engagement on Friday versus a massive life decision? Like, do I want to you know, quit my job or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because then you can start to to build the trust in the response. And again, we, we all have that sort of visceral reaction to something. We just might not be noticing it, um, but it's happening. And when you can tune in, you can, you, you know that you really do or you don't want to do something. Yeah, for me, it's, it's really visceral more than a voice. It's, it's just like a, yeah, it's a strong feeling. I'm a more of a feeling person and it's a strong feeling in my, in my body. If it's like a, yeah. if it's a no or a yes, more, a no, I'm more, it's more a no. Like I can identify the no's very easily. And I think that's probably an easy place for people too, is like to start by feeling the nose, <laughs> not your nose, not your actual nose, but the, <laughs> the things that feel wrong, I suppose. <laughs> better yeah. way of putting it. Well, and, and then another part of it is also the trust that there is an inner wisdom in the first place and that there there will be an answer or that if you don't have an answer but you go take an action anyway that it'll be okay one way or another whether it, it turns out to be the completely wrong thing in terms of it doesn't lead you where you wanted to go you're still bound to learn something about it so yes. for me a lot of spiritual practice is just letting go of this feeling that things are right or wrong because they're really not there really is is everything's going to teach you something yeah and i think that that's so when we talk when we talk if we tie this whole concept of like intuition or listening to your body to intuitive eating i think that's where people run into issues because they're trying to get it right it's like and if they eat something that afterwards they're like oh i actually didn't want that then they judge themselves and it's like it's not you know then you're judging that you did something wrong and then that's just the diet mentality and people think that they're doing intuitive eating wrong. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, again, a big part of spirituality is non-judgment. So, you know, when you can catch yourself in those moments and just say, what if I just let this be okay? And so there's also this element of surrender in there as well, which is another spiritual concept that comes up. And it's not about giving up or letting things, you know, run into chaos, but it's, it's really more of a, a conscious choice to, to let go of the judgment and the surrender. And whatever is going to happen is going to teach you something and guide you in a certain direction. So, you know, if you eat the thing that you realize you didn't want after all, so what? You know, no big deal. That's great information. Let's not beat ourselves up about that. Yeah, exactly. So I know, I know we've kind of touched on some of this, but how, you know, how can people use some of these tools or these components to have to, to heal their relationship with their body and, 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 um, and food? Yeah. And that's, that's where, you know, I think it gets really beautiful because there's, even while we've been talking already, you can see so many parallels to um, intuitive eating and to what it's like to use spiritual principles. And like you said, you're already doing it and you didn't really know that's what it is. And, and that's kind of why I love talking about this to, to kind of take the mystery out of what spirituality is, because at the end of the day, it's really just a connection to self and a connection to self-love and self-compassion, which is what we talk about when we talk about accepting our bodies and going down this path to change our relationship with food and body. So to just know that like our inner selves are there and they actually think we're amazingly beautiful as is like there's there's unconditional love available to us coming from ourselves if we can tap into it. And so the invitation becomes, how can I look at my body and, and really delight in what I've been given? And how can I enjoy what I have and appreciate it and have gratitude for this body? And then when you connect with that inner wisdom, you find that you want to feed it in, in good foods that feel good to your body. Um, and when I say good foods, I mean things that are satisfying, things that are appealing. And you want to dress your body in ways that are both comfortable and fun when you sort of connect to that inner playfulness and that that unconditional love and, and even find ways to move it that feel satisfying and supportive and affirming. So, you know, it's it's funny because I think it's the path that I struggled with the most in my life, but it's also the path where I learned the most about myself. And that's what I think the gift is in, in the work around food and body. And so again, kind of go back to the components I already mentioned. If you're trying to heal your relationship with food and body, you want to start with awareness and you want to start with the awareness of the messages that you've been given your whole life. And you want to start with an awareness of how smart your body has been this whole time. It's been protecting you and trying to keep you safe. Um, everything that you've been doing with it has been your body just wanting to survive. Awareness is about questioning, questioning the cultural norms, questioning things our families have said, questioning things that doctors say, questioning our beliefs, and being willing to see that there are other possibilities. Yeah, that's and so, so yeah, so that's, that's sort of the first tool. And then we're talking about present moment. And again, it's like, let's not put off until tomorrow, the things that we can enjoy today, you know, what's the pleasure that we can bring to our bodies today. 
Yeah, because there's always this notion of like, I'll be happier when, like, I'll be, you know, you know, I'll be happier when my body looks different or when I'm more content in it. And then we're just putting everything on hold and hinging everything on the future and not enjoying that present moment or even just accepting the present moment. Right. Which is ironic because then we end up sort of bored or not happy with what we've got. And then we need even more coping mechanisms because we're not finding any pleasure. So it's kind of funny um, that we kind of put ourselves in that spiral. But again, with awareness, we can catch ourselves and realize what we're doing and bring it back to the present moment. And then, you know, I do think there's a fair amount of doing the inner exploration to consider what you're giving meaning in your life. And is that really what you want to give meaning? Like, are your beliefs expanding your world or are they making it smaller? I think is a is a useful question. Oh, um, that's a good question. So like, what kind of beliefs would make your world smaller versus bigger? So if you think, you know, you can only be happy at a certain size or weight, that's not expanding your world. That's making it very constricted. If you think you have to look a certain way to, you know, have a relationship or have a certain job or be able to, you know, have pleasure in your life, that is that an expansive thought or is that make you feel smaller and fearful? And so so one of the key components that I haven't I mentioned unconditional love, but one of the things I like to ask myself is, is my behavior coming from love or from fear? And and when you when you boil it down, dieting is always coming from a fearful place where it's trying to control um, as opposed to surrender and accept and allow. And so, yeah, uh, do, is that sort of clear about the beliefs that expand? Yeah, totally. To, yeah. No, does that make it clear? Yeah, I yeah, know. It makes a lot of sense. I'm curious to know, like, do you have any daily practices that you would suggest for people like who are wanting to start out with this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I probably mentioned a few of them already, but for for me, I, I like the morning ritual. So I like writing in my journal or meditating in the morning. It's just, that's an opportunity to just get quiet for a minute. I'll try to pull in some gratitude at that time if I remember. And And the key here is never to make any of this wrong. If you do none of this, that's okay. If you do some of it, that's fine. Um, it's really, what is it that appeals to you and sort of makes you feel happy or connected or grounded in your day. So again, I'll do the the writing. Sometimes I'll do the writing to my inner voice. Sometimes you can do you can do certain visualizations that just I use that tool if I'm going to go to a party and I'm feeling a little anxious because I know maybe some people are going to be judging me there. Um, but I, I will have a visualization of the party going well and having fun. And it just helps you get into that energy of having a good time rather than get into the fearful energy that, you know, it's not going to go very well. During the day, I, I try to focus on presence and awareness. And that usually that just means pausing, just pausing to notice where you are. You, you might notice your breath. You don't try to change it, but you just notice your breath and just take a second to, to um, stop whatever it is you're doing to find that presence and awareness. Cause every once in a while you get those light bulb moments that, that then pop in that you hadn't noticed before because you're so busy going, going, going. Another thing I do, I don't know if you've ever heard of heart math, 
But HeartMath is a book and a website that's really cutting edge scientifically about how important it is to sort of get your heart and your brain in coherence with each other. And this this helps you with sort of your presence and your awareness. So I use HeartMath um, tools, which is basically centered on sort of breathing, but also concentrating on bringing loving thoughts into your heart as you do it. And it just it just helps calm the whole system down. So again, you sort of have more capacity for different things that are happening in your life when you get some of that chaos out of your system. And I'm sure you've you've heard before things like movement. I mean, for me, movement is a spiritual practice now that I'm not making it about weight loss. Yeah. When you're not counting calories, you can just get into your body and just have fun with it, whether it's five minutes or whatever it is. And even or even napping can be spiritual because you're just shutting down, you're letting those brain waves calm down, and you're giving yourself a little restart for the day. Anything that just sort of gets you back to center, being in nature, being with pets, I find a great deal of connection with music, which I'm sure a lot of people do as well. And there's all sorts of videos on YouTube that even focus on sort of healing or connecting. And, and different frequencies help you uh, feel more connected to your heart or your spirituality, let's say. Also, another thing people talk a lot about doing is when you're having your meals, really connecting to, to the uh, gratitude for the meal, um, blessing the meal, and, and just imagining your body just really loving it. Let's see, what else? Sex. Sex is another awesome um, place to sort of connect with that that energy and that life force. And then I also t- just try to have things around my house that just give you that little spark, that little comfort, that little, um, like I have this pillow on my couch that's, it's just this pink heart that I got from Target and it's all soft and fluffy. And when I see it sitting on my office couch every time I walk in the room, it just reminds me that my purpose here is compassion. My purpose here is to just work through my heart and get out of my head. So any little things you can have around your space that just sort of remind remind you of what your commitment is. I find that's helpful. Yeah, well, what I love about everything you mentioned is that, you know, so I think sometimes when people think of a spiritual practice, they think they have to get like a meditation pillow and like incense and, you know, like do all that stuff. And And for some people, that is awesome. And for other people... That doesn't work. And so I love how you framed it up, just finding stuff that makes you feel happy, connected and grounded. Because, you know, for me, like, there were so many things you mentioned there, like music and nature and movement. And those are the things that really bring a sense of fulfillment and groundedness to my life. And and so, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have really thought about those as spiritual, you know, I think maybe nature, I think I do. But, you know, to, to, kind of just understand that there's probably a lot of things that we maybe are already doing that are a little more spiritual that, and it's just about kind of seeing them that way and seeing like really connecting with how they bring us contentment and groundedness. Exactly. Yeah. And openness and, and expansion. I mean, anything that makes you feel like you could do anything. Those are the, those are the things that are great to add in as part of quote unquote, a spiritual practice. But you're right. I think a lot of people do it already. 
And I think a lot of the work is also giving yourself permission to do these things because some of these things people look at as indulgent or I don't have time for that. But mm. it's really the the foundation. It's really where your day should start and build from from there as opposed to the thing you put last on the list. Yeah, uh, this is where you're going to get your energy from during the day. Yes. And that is as someone who has a one and a half year old, that is hard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of napping. That's like I know. Yeah, that. that's always been one of my favorites as well. <laughs> um, do you follow the nap ministry on Instagram? I I have not. Oh, you got you got to because it's the whole thing. It's the their whole. It's like a spiritual thing, and it's about resistance and. I love it. Oh my God. Yeah, it's That's great. hilarious. I think you'd like it. I, I did hear that they started having some napping rooms in offices in New York City. I thought that <laughs> was pretty awesome. That's good. That's good. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all this. Like, I think I think you made it a lot more accessible and, you know, brought it down to a very practical place for people that are more maybe like me and kind of resistant to the whole notion of it. Yeah. And, and I mean, you had a great point when you're summarizing that it just doesn't have to look any certain way. It's really how you want to create it, just like our relationship with food and body. It doesn't have to look any particular way. It's what feeds us. That's the most important. Yeah. So good. So where can people find more of you? Well, I'm online at ElizabethHallCoaching.com. Um, that's my website. And um, I'm also on Instagram, and I think it's at Elizabeth Hall Coaching. I am an infrequent poster on Instagram, but when I post, it's quite worthy, I think, because I wait for that inspiration to post when I really feel like I have something to say. And on Facebook, I have a page called Live Free or Diet, where I post all sorts of things that just support this kind of a non-diet lifestyle and people who are looking to heal their relationship with food and body. Yeah. And those are, that's where you can find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I'll link to all of those in the show notes. It was really great having you on here. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you so much for letting me uh, talk about these things that make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Elizabeth. Rock on. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did and got some really good practical advice on how you can apply these practices into your life in a way that will help heal your relationship to food and your body. You can find the links mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 166. And I forgot to mention that we recorded this interview a couple months ago before the pandemic. So that's why we don't make any mention of it in this show. And we make it seem like life is all just normal because it was when we recorded this interview. And I meant to say that up front, but forgot. So I wanted to add it to this outro. But you can find all those links at summerinandin.com forward slash 166. And I will talk to you soon. Rock on. Hope you're all staying safe. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.